George, but Joel Filippi, president of Mio, she's graduating to William Patterson oh. University in one week and one day. Okay. Is that no two weeks and one day? Fifteen days. That's right. Uh, Joel, what has your major been here at William Patterson University? Marketing. Marketing, and what has your minor been? Music management. Where was your internship this semester? Fueled by ramen. Fueled by ramen. Slash yeah. Records. And before that, where was it? Atlantic. There we go. Okay. So she's done a great job. Check yeah. out you want to look at a great LinkedIn profile, Melissa, yeah. George? Yeah. Go to Joelle Filippi with one L and two P's. I looked uh, at your profile, so you could probably see really? it. Really? Yeah, okay. you could probably see I'll it. Yeah, it right. you'll say, who's this girl stalking me professionally? <laughs> Fine. I, I told uh, Melissa recently, actually, I sent you an email. I was looking for a picture of her on, over the weekend. I said, I've been stalking you on the web. And I yes. that's how I knew, Kevin, that you were her husband because I saw the wedding pictures. So you guys got married about a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Right. Sorry we couldn't be there. That's we would have broadcast live Music Biz yes. 101 and more. Could from, have been a guest. I know. Yeah. It would have been nice. That would have yes. been cool. So the music we heard in the background was the song Wonderful by Rob Fusari, who we love, whom we love. We're college. We have to use proper grammar. Whom we love because Rob has been great with us, uh, not only supporting the program, but also supporting us as we go in two weeks from now to the Music Biz Conference Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Music Biz going to Music Biz in the Music City. That's May 15th through the 18th year of our Lord, 2017. And we're going to be going with 20, I think it's 25 William Patterson University students are going to be going to Nashville, including Joel. Filippi. Mm. Joelle Filippi's going to Nashville. Great. It's great for her to go. And you're going really for the networking, right? Yes. I need a job. <laughs> she needs a job. There we go. And Joelle is usually a little bit more assertive than she is right now on the radio. You, you seem to be very quiet. Why? No, so, I'm not. You sure? It's been a long day. It's been a long day? Okay. We had Nick Spillert here uh, a couple a couple weeks ago when we had Mark Weiss. And we had this guy, uh, Nick Spillert, very good. He's in a band called A Boy Named John. They're looking for a drummer. And um, when he was reading the tweets, we're going to get to your tweets, listeners, in a moment. Um, he was very timid when he read the tweets. I was very surprised was at how, at, yeah, I was very surprised at how timid. This is rock and roll radio, so we aren't timid, right, Melissa? Did George? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think George yeah. would have been timid, so no. I think dead George wouldn't be timid either. We also want to give thanks to the Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management. With artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. That's our our favorite fellow, Aaron Van Dynamite, who's helped us out. and yes. He's uh, giving us some funds to help go to the Music City as well. Finally, we're almost ready for Marconi to take over the questioning. Congrats again to Brave New Radio for being named the number one college radio station in Los Estados Unidos. Again by the intercollegiate broadcasting system. There's also an interstellar broadcasting system. And uh, so there's a, a college station on the planet Uranus, and they are beating us. Wow, so we were number two to Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, finally, we want to remind everybody, on June 6th, please, or 6th, please order Managing Your Band 6th Edition. That's why it's coming out June 6th, 6th comes the 6th wow. edition. I just figured that out. Right. June 6th, 6th month, 6th, 6th, 6th. 
If you want to uh, learn how to screw your band and be the devil, order Managing Your Band. That's right. Devil's Edition. Uh, you can order it right now at Amazon.com. If you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, you can list order the book because it's pre-ordering. And if you're, if you're listening to this in 2019, you can still order it because we're not going to stop printing them up. Are we, Doctor? We don't print them. Actually, Dr. Esteban Marconi, uh, when he is off, he actually handwrites every book. That's right. It takes him hours. Every ebook, I do that. Too. That's right. Dr. Cobalt Music Group is an independent rights management and publishing company, possibly the top independent publishing company. Ah. It was founded in the year 2000, 2000 by CEO Willard R. Adrids. Adrids. He says it better. Adrids. Adrids. We just call him Willard at Cobalt. Uh, okay, so, there you yeah. go. Have you met him? Oh, yeah, he's there all the time. We see him. He's, he's got these cat fr catchphrases. It's really cool. He'll say, I like it. Somebody stop us. He's great. He's really great he's, guy. He's a real uh, upbeat, energetic yeah, CEO. Yeah, he's really great. Where is he from Germany, I think? He no, he's from um, uh, what's his, uh, Sweden. Oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Wisconsin, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you should know, Melissa, that Cobalt acts primarily as an administrative publishing company not owning any copyrights, but also, Melissa DeGeorge, Cobalt offers label services and neighboring rights. Yep. The company has developed an online portal to provide royalty income and activity to artists and allow them to manage their rights and royalties directly. Yep. So, Dr. Esteban Marconi of Music Biz 101 and More, why don't you begin the third degree? Certainly. Of Melissa DeGeorge. <laughs> it's going to start. The yes. questions begin now. Now, I must say, Melissa, that uh, we're very happy to have you here. We're always very happy to have an, an alum come back. Uh, I'm, I have to apologize that you did take your first course in music management with adjunct professor <laughs> David Kirk Philp. David Kirk Philp. <laughs> How was that class? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I remember one of the projects that we did. It was uh, we had to come up with an advertisement for uh, something. We had to put like a song to it. I did Prince and basketball, so I, I do remember that. Oh, really? Yeah, it great. Was good, yeah. I have zero recollection I have zero, of it. Yeah, but, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but I'm sure it was a great thing. Yeah, I, it was good. You graduated. And I that's did. Most so, thing. Was... <laughs> so you graduated with a minor in music management, or were you a BA music? It was music. Yeah, music studies. And I think the minor was. Yeah, minor music management. Right, music studies with the minor music. Mm. So it was a BA music. Okay. And did you do an internship when you were here? I did. I did two. I did one with um, Dave Laurie. I uh -huh. did that for a semester. And then I think my following semester was with Razor and Ty. I did an internship there and then eventually got hired. Right. Now, so did you get hired right out of the internship or not? Yeah. So I interned there for about like, yeah, I guess it was a semester. It was the last semester. So it was like three months. And then they hired me on as like a part-timer type of thing. And I did that for a year. What and were you doing? Um, I was an assistant for the music publishing department, uh, Rich, Rich De Scott DePerto. Oh, yeah. I actually worked under him. Yeah, good about him, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, also mechanical licensing for the, the label side. So I was kind of doing a little bit of both, of publishing and, and mechanical licensing for the label. Right. And then? And then, yeah, I, let's see, I worked there. I got hired full-time at Razor & Tie. I was there for about another four years and then I moved over to Cobalt where I am now and I've been there for three years okay so what were you doing then when you left Razor and Tie what were you working I was doing mechanical licensing and royalties um, for the US only and uh, 
at uh, Razor and Tie, um, and I was doing that with uh, Kids Bop, mainly Kids Bop, because they needed. If you, I'm sure all of you know who Kids Bop. What is. number was it that you were working on? Oh, oh God, on I started on 18, maybe even 17, and I think my last one was 20. Three, maybe <laughs> even twenty-five. Yeah, right. I worked on a lot of kids' records. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. It's a money maker for them. It is. Yeah, that was that was the cash cow of Razor and Tie. Was right. was definitely Kids Bop. So, how did you hear about the Cobalt job? Um, I started started looking around because um, I did hear or rumors that maybe the company was going to get. They were looking to sell the company, so I was just like, okay, it's time to. Time to move on. So um, I saw, the, I, I've been looking at Cobalt for a while because I did see their name come up a lot when I was licensing uh, for Kids Bob. So I'm like, oh, I would love to work for this company. And I also read about the company and saw the, how they like to be transparent and that they love to give artists their rights. And they were just very, very artist friendly, which I liked. Mm -hmm. So eventually I saw an, an ad for um, Mechanical Licensing Manager for the label services, which had just started. This must have been, this was like around in 2014, I was looking at the job and the label services started about 2013. Mm -hmm. So it was just this brand new division that they were starting on Cobalt and uh, I had to be involved. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I applied and now there I am doing that. That's great. So what is label services? So label services is a, um, it's like a label, but it's not, it's a non-traditional label. Um, you get to own your masters, which you don't get to do for a traditional label. Um, contract is three years, um, and we take 30%, and that's it. And then you keep everything else. You get to run the show. It's not like we're going to sit there and tell you, you have to do this. You have to take the Today Show. If you don't want to take the Today Show, you don't have to take the Today Show. It's mm -hmm. it's things like that. You control everything. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're more you're more in charge of your music. You're more in charge of your administration. That's the label service. Okay, and then do you take care of um, getting music placed? Yeah. these people? Mm -hmm. So we do that. We have, um, well, I guess I should go into how our structure is. So we have our AWOL digital platform, and our AWOL digital platform will do that. They, there's like a few, few tiers to that. So our AWOL, there's the lower tier, which is an open platform, and anybody can join that. And, uh, and we will distribute your music to Spotify, to Pandora, all those different places, iTunes. Um, and then if you start making a buzz, you'll move up to the next tier, which is like a funded deal. And uh, you'll get a little bit more placement. We'll they'll, they'll push you mm -hmm. a little more. And then you'll get the Cobalt Label Service deal, which is full-on deal. You get a marketing team behind you. Um, you get my service, which is mechanical uh, licensing and royalties. Um, so that's how it kind of works. Basically, it's like, I don't know. We got many wrestling fans out there. This is the um, the analogy I like to call it. I, I, I call the AWOL as like our NXT of the WWE. So it's okay. like we're like we're grooming we're grooming artists and we're trying to get like these great artists and then we like mold them and bring them up to the main stage, which is the WWE main stage, right. which is the Cobalt label service or the Cobalt Recordings label service division. Mm -hmm. And then that's like you're the, like the superstar then. So that's kind of how I like to. The show Compare after it. us is all about wrestling. Oh, is it really? All they talk about is wrestling. <laughs> so that's where, uh, and that's when they take the 30%, when it's yes. in the full service. Yeah, correct. So when it's the full service, we take the 30%. When it's the AWOL, um, it'll be 15%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, good. So 
How is that different than, and I'm just doing it for the listeners, mm -hmm. than the Cobalt Publishing side? So Cobalt Publishing um, is exactly what it says, is publishing, so that they basically handle writers. The label service, we're dealing with your artists, we're dealing with your master. Um, the publishing, you're dealing with your copyright, mm -hmm. your writer information. Um, they're also uh, going to make sure that you're registered with all the PROs. They're going to get you sync placement. Label mm -hmm. service will do that too, but you're, they, they, you, they'll get you your sync placements for your writer shares. Um, collect your royalties. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's the difference so between the, the label. The uh, writer artist is basically he can do a one stop. Yeah. There, we have those and get, their, and get all their royalties and get all their money from one place yeah and i think that's that was one of the reasons we originally read why cobalt was formed because they were trying to make the seamless yep revenue streams come in to the artists and the artists didn't have to go to 15 different places and yep and try to get uh paid mm -hmm. so yeah so well it's interesting because you have an artist, a great example of one of your artists who you had was Prince. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Prince is still signed to Cobalt. Actually, well, now he's got, uh, since his death, I guess Universal has he's rights got, to some stuff. Yeah, we just, we released one of his EPs. That was like the year before I started. Um, they released an EP of his. I think there was like a, they were going to try and get like his next album, which I don't think that well, obviously didn't happen. Um, but uh, we just released one of his EPs. Okay, there's a great video uh, that The Economist did about you guys. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on actually the company website. It's called The Disruptors. Oh, yeah. And it's about 18 minutes long, and it, it basically covers Cobalt yeah. and, and the modern-day record industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it talks about different things such as micropayments, which mm -hmm. is in today's world of streaming especially, which is more than 50% in the United States of, of revenues for recorded music. Can you talk about what micropayments are? Um... Well, I think what you mean by like yeah, the micropayments is yeah, you get all this little income from all these different sources, like uh, you know, like Spotify will get some mm -hmm. like little payments it's in there, portions or, of like portions. Yeah, yeah, it's like little little things all over the place, and yeah, what we've done, and especially on the the publishing side, they have this thing called Proclaim that will like look at YouTube um, and will pull all these different micro pennies and try mm -hmm. to get as much of the music they can. And much of the royalty that they can, so we could pay on to the right that their their uh, correct portion. So, because uh, Cobalt really was a tech startup, yeah, and built around their their systems mm -hmm. of royalty collection, so to speak. Yeah. Which, okay. And so, are they kind of like a spider, meaning um, you know they're just reaching everywhere? Their system can. Um, can, can sense where, not like spidey sense, yeah. but uh, it's funny, spider, spidey sense, but um, it, it knows, okay, uh, I have this because of the metadata, and maybe mm -hmm. you can get into metadata, yeah. I'm assuming that's part of it. Yeah. It knows when a song is streamed anywhere in the world, whether it's Spotify, Tidal, Deezer, YouTube. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah, pretty much. That's what the, that's what Proclaim does, and I know they have like a whole team of people that just sit there and match, you know, their works, their songs with uh, I guess it's like a, a system in all these different systems and they just sit there and match music all day and match and just do all this matching so we'll get the best uh, best amount of income okay yeah can you explain metadata <laughs> metadata yes uh, the fun fun metadata right so basically metadata is um, 
as part of it's your label copy, um, you, you, your publisher, writer, your splits, and then there's also your um, the name of your album. You know that ISRCs. Uh, Songwriter, oh, songwriter, yeah, you name, name it. Song. Pretty much everything yeah. that is on your album is in this metadata. So that's what that is. So it's all the information about a particular yes. song embedded into the song's yes. file. Yes. So when it's released anywhere, you yeah. guys can track it. Yeah. Mm. The best way to track it is ISRC. So if you mm. have that, and I think for um, was it ISWC for uh, for works. Um, yeah. So for master recordings, IS, uh, ISRC is the best way to match. So you may want to make sure you got your ISRCs, and mm -hmm. the ISWC would be for matching for publishing for record uh, for yeah for okay. works. Because I know, and when we go out to Music Biz in Nashville, they spend a lot of time talking about metadata. They do. And they've I sat the panel yeah. with it. Okay, what did you do? You remember what they you were just stressing how important it yeah. is to make sure that you have the metadata, or else you won't get the royalties and you won't get because the mm -hmm. problem is it won't be able to get matched, and then it'll go or it'll go to the wrong place, or they're not going to be able to find you, and then it just sits. Black you know, the black box, right? <laughs> yeah, it just sits there. So, you could, when I was at the Universal Music Group, we did a lot of licensing music for compilation CDs, whether it was for uh, a TV compilation or for a, a company, a branded company CD, and we'd license in music. And we would have tracks that were the metadata was was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it would either have the wrong sub label, like mm -hmm. let's say it was Motown, but it was a, a division of Motown, yeah. or that's. Not the best example, but uh, it, the name was spelled wrong, or one of the writer's right. names was spelled wrong. Like Joel Filippi is one L, two P's. Mm -hmm. um, my first three years that I knew her, I was putting two L's and, and, and one and P. A, and an E at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and an e. or, or my name is Philp, and a lot of people call me Filippi. You know, but but all that, all that, and lots of times it was because interns were people, for example, initially entering it, and they were yeah. kind of like there for the summer, throwing right. the stuff in, not being very careful, and so your system is built to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, we have to be very detailed, and but that's the same thing. I know, when, for at least on the label service side, I could speak, we, we may have to make sure that our metadata is elite or else we're not going to be able to track our income that's supposed to come in. Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. you got to make sure that's on point. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about mechanical rates. Yeah. Um, do we still use them? with all the digital downloads and so on, or is it licensing? Um, for the downloads, yeah, we're still doing mechanical rates. Um, for streaming, that's where it gets a little, it gets a little hairy. Um, for, for Spotify and, and Pandora and things like that, I think, what's it like eighth of a penny? I think the royalty yeah, rate is something those, like that. Yeah. And then, and then I think um, uh, YouTube is is based on um, ad revenue. Uh, yeah, and they come up at their own rate. Yeah. Right. Uh, but we do use the the statutory rate of the nine point one cent, or do people use that, or do they negotiate down normally? Um, for digital downloads, uh, no, you, those have to stay at the statutory rate. Right. Um, That's we we just learned that a couple of years ago, actually, mm -hmm. with Professor Guthrie yeah. told us that. Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm sure some labels probably would try to, but really, no. I mean, it should be the statutory rate for for all digital downloads. Mm -hmm. um, physical, obviously, you could still reduce those rates. Right. Um, do they do a different rate for um, 
the so-called vinyl explosion that we have now? No. The only thing, um, no, that's still, that's still, again, that's still the statutory rate for that. But I think, if anything, like, what they do now is um, they add, like, a digital download to the vinyl, mm -hmm. and that will ask for gratis use, and most, most companies, the most publishers will agree to that because uh -huh. you're already paying for one, and a lot of times you can't really track that income. So Right, right. Okay, are we one of the highest in the world in terms of uh, rates? Mechanical uh, rates? It, I think we're the most complicated. <laughs> well, that, yeah, everybody will agree to that, that's for sure. But well, I mean, for instance, Canada, what's the... Uh, yeah, Canada's is lower. Theirs is um, eight eight 8.3 cents. Um, Canadian dollars? Yes. Yeah, so it would be more than... Okay. Yeah. And, and go ahead. And then for the UK and uh, Europe, it's it's uh, as a percentage, so percentage of PPD. Yeah, right. Um, it's eight point five for audio and seven point two five for DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I guess I'm still trying to get a handle on the uh, a little bit on the artist side i mean i understand the publishing side and the writer's side but now having the artist sort of be um taken care of in a country that doesn't uh pay them for spins or for any radio airplay yeah. except non-terrestrial mm -hmm. um so i mean what kind of revenue are they generating through what kind of revenue do you see at cobalt that they're generating as an artist um i mean personally i don't like i don't see those numbers yeah, i know we yeah right. yeah they're more on the we what i normally see on the label side at least this is what i personally say um we usually just use the spins in order the release for for regular radio mm -hmm. you know we're using that to just try and, and drive sales for records and thing and that that sort of thing but right um as far as his royalties coming, unfortunately, that's on uh, that's master royalties, and I don't, I'm not privy to see. Right. Them. So you're, <laughs> what you're working on really is to drive people mm -hmm. to either additional work by that artist uh, or to sales of that artist's uh, creative endeavor, whatever yeah. it might be. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So you understand that a little more. Um, yeah, you. Why don't you read a tweet? Because I can't. Okay. I, I want to say. I want to ask a question, but I'm stumbling on how to ask it. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up. We have a tweet okay, coming in. Yes, here is a tweet. Okay, this is from underscore J Michelle. Hello, Hi. my name is Jessica Akmel, and my question is: Has there ever been a time where you couldn't track an artist due to or due to wrong info? Back to the whole metadata. Oh, idea. back to the whole metadata. I mean, I'm sure that's happened. I personally haven't had that happen to me because, again, um, the royalties that I see come in from um, album sales or digital download sales. But um, I'm sure in publishing I've heard people say, oh, we couldn't track this because the wrong metadata was set up or um, even maybe on even – I'm sure, I'm sure we've had it on the label services side where it was just like maybe wrong metadata was was put in and then we have to – yeah, it has happened. And we had to um, take something down and re-upload it so the metadata was correct. Um, even on physical, if we make a, a mistake on the physical, um, 
you know, obviously the first shipment or the first manufacturing we make, you we can't we can't do anything about it. But the second one, we make sure it's up to date. So even you can mess up on physical as well too. But um, yeah, I hope that, <laughs> that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, you just have to try and fix it. I mean, if we do find it, um, I know on the on the label side, we would just down, we would have to re-upload it with the correct information. I, I I was talking to a class on Monday, actually about this whole metadata thing, yeah. and about you mentioned we would get it fixed. Yeah. So where is it coming from? Where does it originate? Does it originate from the studio and then the manager double checks? Are there a set of systems so that four or five people check it before it gets? I mean, I know you mentioned it's very ISRC driven, but yeah. who's making sure that the right number is entered? Is there an automated system or how does that work? Uh, well, that, but the way it works for at least us is the manager gives us or whoever's working with the artist, they give us the label copy or the, the metadata. And then from there, we do have another set of eyes that are just making sure that things are spelled properly, things are, you know, the track numbers are right, um, tie, all of that. Everything that goes along with this metadata, where there is a second um, second, uh, second pair of eyes that'll look at it before it goes up. And it, yeah, and if, it's rare, but if it does happen, like if something is missing or something you know we'll deal with it then is does this tie it all tie in at all to blockchain do you know much about block no i don't even know what that okay is. <laughs> okay well we had back when we were in nashville last year we had joe conyers who's a vp of i think tech or something for um downtown publishing and song trust oh, okay, yeah. and so he actually created their own proprietary software um, which is similar to their version of what of of proclaim and mm -hmm. your cobalt portal mm -hmm. i guess and i don't know if you know much about downtown or not i know they do yeah oh, okay um do you know any differences could you speak of any differences between you guys and them like if i'm an artist uh, are you guys both going to give me probably equal tech service or you guys are by far the leader in all of this well of course i want to say we're the leader of course you should <laughs> you better <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I I really couldn't compare the two um, as far as like their tech services. Like I know them as a publisher because I've worked with them closely. Um, but I mean, we're Cobalt. We're the best, you know. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> of well, course, I'm going to say William Patterson. We're the yeah, best. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly so exactly. there you go. Yeah. Right. Okay. Tweet. Sure. Okay, this one's from Just Talented. How has your academic knowledge from Willie P helped your overall career? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I know when I first started in here, Dr. M kept saying, you know, you got you to gotta intern, you got to intern, you got to intern, you're going to learn everything in your internship. But he's right about that. Um, um, yeah, I just took a lot of his advice on certain things. <laughs> the, I know it. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, that's, I I could just say the same thing, intern, 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 because it is true. I mean, you know, we do learn the basics in our classes and we get a good foundation, but you really, you really start to learn everything when you're pushed into the fire. And I know that's, for me, that's how it worked. Like I learned mechanical rates and everything and how understanding of how publishing works and a little bit of the label, how that all works. But you don't know it until you're in it. So, um, Did you have any minutes? Because when I was at, at Polygram and then Universal, I would have these uh, moments where 
Oh, that's what that was for. Yeah. <laughs> like the stuff we learned in class. Then all of a sudden you're you're doing it and you remember the statutory rate. Yeah. You see this event. Oh, yes, that's real. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's not like, it's yeah. true. No, when I first started doing it, I was like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Oh, this <laughs> yeah. is what HFA is. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, I should have maybe gone back and studied it a little more if I would have known, right? <laughs> yeah, like many yeah. many people say. Although I did win Most Outstanding Music Management Student 1990. Yeah. Did you? Yes, I did. It's on my LinkedIn profile. Well, <laughs> we were very uh, new at the time. <laughs> the, the program was only 10 years old at that point. Well, it's interesting, too, because what uh, every educator likes is, well, two things that happen. You can drill it to somebody or some class, and they're still you go in next semester, they don't even, you know, remember one tenth of it but somebody would come in just to visit like you would come into the class mm -hmm. and you would say you know mechanical rate is 9.1 and and uh, 1.75 so on and so on, and they never forget it they say the same thing you say but they never forget it uh and that always it's sort of after a while you get used to that you know but in the beginning when that happens to you as an educator you always go you know what the hell do I, how do i how do i how do i tell and the other thing is when you get somebody successful that comes back like you and they'll st stand up in front of the class and say remember what he was teaching you in whatever class you hated it right yeah i still use it today yep. you know it's and true. that makes you re feel real good because obviously you're not um, there for a popularity contest you're trying to get them to be prepared for what's going on and it's always good to get that you know, that reinforcement yeah. that, hey, maybe I'm not crazy, you know. That, no, it's that, good. Uh, you know. No, so I, re I remember doing, like, a publishing. I think we had to do, like, an actual royalty project one, for something. And mm -hmm. I remember having somebody have to explain it to me because I'm like, I don't understand this. But I, and now it's like, oh, I, I, you know, I get it. Right. It's like now it all, right. like, uh, sure. sure. Now, do you deal much with the PROs? I personally don't know, but um, we could talk about them a little bit if you wanted to. Um um, no, I'd rather you deal much with, did real much with Harry Fox slash um, Kingfish. What is it? No. I was going to say uh, uh, Sling. It's not Slingshot. Sling it is Slingshot. Yeah. Okay. Slingshot and also Rumblefish. Rumblefish was the other Yeah. Um, I, I know it was the Slingshot, and uh, we we personally don't deal with sling, Slingshot and... Um, was the R other Rumblefish. Rumblefish. I was just yeah. reading about it the other day, too, and right. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um... But I do deal with HFA as far as their e-mechanical licensing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's how that's how I get a lot of my licenses. Um, we do pay HFA. Um, I know as Cobalt Publishing, um, they uh, have their they'll put their information on HFA because a lot of people use that as a uh, research tool. But we prefer to be licensed direct for publishing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and be paid direct. Okay, so you can't find it on HFA. What happens next? Then you got to use the PROs. Yes. <laughs> then you go. Then you got to go look at them and try and figure it out there. Go and if, that way. Yeah. And if you can't find out any contact there, um, for at least for me for a label, then I can either reach out to the artist and say, "Hey, do you have a contact for this guy?" Or uh, if, you, if you're not a label, I don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess you you could probably probably find contact from the label then. Right. Right. Yeah. That was another thing we use. I, I'm remembering we used to have to uh, when we were licensing artists for these compilations mm -hmm. need to get in touch sometimes with some maybe some obscure 
maybe it's a jazz song or something yeah. and we couldn't find, couldn't find the and they're yeah. on our label we could not find the connection yeah. or that they not a, all we had was one phone number and nobody would answer the phone <laughs> right. that kind of thing yeah and it would kill you because yeah. here's nobody licensed this song we want to license it want to use it there could be some revenue for that person yeah. and right and i'm sure that's still yeah. Is around. Yeah, I mean, there's times where I still can't file, like, the thing that kills me, their name will be on one of the PRO sites, and there will be no contact information. I'm like, why don't you update this? You're losing money. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's still it's still true to this day. I still, I still have to, uh, problems finding people, and yeah. Yeah, I was doing, Struggles real. Um, <laughs> we were trying to do a compilation album here, and I was in charge of getting clearances. And I would, you know, we want to give you money. Yeah. I would, well, we, I, actually, I, my first pitch was to just give it to us because we're nonprofit. But knowing exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. the phone number, you'd leave a message, nobody calls back, uh, if you even got a phone number. Yeah. And then the ones that weren't part of Harry Fox were just it's totally impossible, yep. you know, to, you just couldn't track them down. You could have, through the obscure label, yeah. And uh, it's it's and if they had a contact, it's, it's, I mean, it's amazing, you know, when you think you're in 2013, uh, 2017 mm -hmm. and that um, that's still going on. Yep. You know, so it's well, this crazy music business. When we used to go to the new music seminar in the city, we would sit in on sound exchange panels. Mm -hmm. And this is three, four years ago. And sound exchange would a lot of what their pitch was, was you got to sign up for us because we're sitting on millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Earmarked yeah. for people who aren't signed up to Sound Exchange, which mm -hmm. is for non-digital, uh, non-terrestrial, yeah, non, uh, yeah uh, digital, non-non-interactive non digital transmissions. Yeah, there so for go. satellite radio, Pandora, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, just they would collect all this money, and then people weren't signed up to Sound Exchange, so they couldn't pick it up. Right. They couldn't take it. Yeah, I had I went yeah. into uh, every fall we have a jazz faculty meeting of all the adjunct jazz faculty, which you know numbers forty or so. And I said, one year I went in and I said, give me 10 minutes. So I, and how many have heard about Sound Exchange, you know, and two hands went up. And I said, well, it's, most of you probably have some money yeah. sitting there because you are at least featured artists. Yeah. Uh, you may have not had your own record, but you'd be featured artists and some of them you are a background artist and so on and so forth. And they were, you know, writing, you know, furiously writing. And then I would check with some of them like a year later, and I, oh yeah, I still gotta. Okay. What do I gotta do again? Oh I mean, God. it's just a musician mentality. Yeah. I, I have a good friend of mine, a sax player, who's actually leader on Crisscross and some of the real jazz oh, labels, wow. and his wife's an attorney. And as he said, yeah, I gotta get Judy to do that, you know. And uh, I mean, it's there's money <laughs> sitting yeah. there. You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be a million dollars. But the few that were into it and understood it were saying, yeah, I got a check in the last quarter. Yeah. It wasn't a lot, but it was a check. Yeah, you know? something, yeah. So uh, it's true. I mean, we're, we're veering a little bit off of the subject, but it's a, it, I think it's an important thing to, again, to teach musicians that there is a business. Yeah. And as we were talking last night with the gentleman from Live Nation, uh, um, Sean Striegel. Sean Striegel, right, who's the head of um, vice president for New York and New Jersey, Live Nation. And he was saying the same thing. You have to treat music as a business. 
if you want to make any money. And if you don't treat it like a business, we're not going to treat you like a business. Right. You know, so it's it's very, very difficult to get musicians that are that it, that it really um, understand, yeah. you know, that they don't have to be working at so-called McDonald's and so on. Yeah. But they could be doing Just register, yeah. their, their artistry. Could you provide for us the actual structure of the artist label, I'm sorry, artist services side of Cobalt? Do you yeah. have a president? Like, what is the structure in terms of the per personnel? What are the different positions? And do you know what they do? So that okay. somebody can listen to this, and then if they were listening, they can say, okay, now I know exactly what artist services is. Yeah, okay, so I'll try and do that. Um, so we have the president of our company, um, and this is when I get nervous because then I start forgetting things. <laughs> Paul Hitchman, uh, president of our, of our whole label service division, including AWOL. Um, what was AWOL again? Say that again. AWOL is our digital distributor. So it's kind of like TuneCore, obviously better. Oh, it's like it's an aggregator? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's so like it's that and okay. CD Baby and that kind of thing. Okay. And, um, you know, they'll you could sign up for it. Anybody can sign up for AWOL? Anybody can sign up. I think there is a vetting process, so, you it's know, you've got to kind of be good. <laughs> so it's more exclusive than CD Baby or Yes, it's a little bit more exclusive because okay. they do have a vetting process, but you can sign up and um, they'll put you through and we'll distribute your music everywhere digitally. Um, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all those places. Internationally as well? Internationally as well, yeah. Cobalt right. is a global company. I don't right. know if I, I probably should have said that, but yeah, we are global, so it'll go, it'll go everywhere. And then we'll collect and you get paid, um, your mat, you'll get paid royalties um, monthly, and, yeah. And again, you said you guys take a 30% a cut of that, correct? Fifteen. It's fifteen percent for AWOL. Okay. Um, for the label services, the bigger deal, um, that'll be thirty percent. Okay. And again, depending on the artist, I mean, that could go up or down, but it, that's again, that's it a can be negotiated. Right. Mostly, it's thirty. All right. So you mentioned, so you have the president of your division. The president of our division. Yeah, that's right. Paul. Um, let's see. And we just hired a operation. Like, I guess she would be a VP of operations. Uh, her name's Sylvia. And then what does Sylvia do? So she would be looking after our back end operations. Describe so, back end. So back end would be um, all our digital. Uh, I, I don't want. How do I say this? I don't want to say digital tech team. I guess they're digital marketing team. Um, and they would. They're the ones that that would be like a wall. Those are all our a wall guys. Um, that would be uploading content, making sure things are going through. Um, also, the client services division for a wall. Um, because pe many people have questions about how to do certain things on AWOL, so there's there's that team. Um, it, so the client services, is there like an 800 number or an email thing? So if I'm one of the people who is, there is the heavy vetting process, mm -hmm. and I was able to get through, through. that, uh -huh. uh, so now I can reach out, and I'm yeah. speaking to somebody directly. So we I'm... have, yeah, so we have, um, which you mentioned earlier, and we have a portal. So in the portal, that's how you're going to upload your music. That's how you're going to submit all your meta metadata, which, again, we'll look at when you submit it. Um, and then on there, there should be an FAQ, which you could probably find a lot of answers to on the FAQ. And then there also is a um, an email contact. And then you can email that that person. And, or you can email that, and then somebody will get back to you. Okay. Um, all right, so that's... A lot of that is, that's the back-end operations. Yeah, that's like a lot okay. of the back-end. And also physical distribution would fall a little bit under her. Um, she would just oversee it. We also have a VP of physical distribution. Um, but she kind of oversees that person as well. Mm 
Um, we're going to be, we're going through a restructuring. So just bear with me if I'm just like, yeah, I think she goes under that person. But, uh, so yes, we have a, like I said, we have our head of operations. She oversees all that. Um, let's see, then there's my division, which is royalties. Um, we now fall under, we used to fall under the president, but now we have, um, label services. Now we fall under, um, royalty like now we fall under the vp of uh of finance and we have our own royalty division now so we fall under that umbrella and then there's a vp of royalties um so she oversees myself mechanical royalties and then the master royalties she oversees and um and i guess awol royalties would also fall under the master royalties so she oversees all of that and myself and um yeah, and then there's our um, mar and then there's our marketing team, which that would be on the top tier label service, and they handle um, you know getting your they'll handle getting you a PR person because we don't have a PR we don't have a PR team. You get your own PR person, which is good. Um, so I would contract outside. Yes, you would contract okay. outside. Um, that's the nice thing about it because you get to pick the people that you want to work with, um, and we just give you the whole point of our marketing team is to give the artist advice like hey i think we should do this or we give them ideas or we say oh you know we'll try we'll set you up with like certain people you know we give you all those tools and then you go with it mm. so you're like in total control of your of your work which is really cool how does that work for then like an artist that's already signed to a record label if you it wouldn't be it wouldn't, it yeah would, it's like a smaller scale artist like a little bit lesser than that because no, like looking at your roster like a lot of them are like signed to rca and like all of that so that's not no nothing to do with that no so what would happen is like if we had like a bit we do have a um, lenny kravitz so he would be mm -hmm. a bigger artist they would have to be like either done with their record label mm -hmm. deal um and they're looking for a new platform okay. to distribute on so um yeah we'll do get we'll get some of those mm -hmm. major artists that want to try something different and um, they want to be in control and they want to keep their masters and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So then that's, they'll sign up with us. So who are some of the artists that, um, you have on the label services? We have, we have, um, an array. We have some up, upcoming new artists, which are coming from our AWOL platform, which that's the whole, again, point of the AWOL platform is to bring up bring them this, this great okay. that's talent. That's the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah. The, my, exactly. That's okay. that's probably a better analogy okay. than the WWA. But <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people know this. Uh, uh, Melissa, after college, was a uh, pro wrestler yes. for uh, 17 years. Um, they called her Melissa the Giant for a while. She took over after Andre the Giant. Passed on yeah. and uh, just put on a mask and nobody knew. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, one of our minor league uh, uh, AWOL people that are coming up and we're really excited about is um, Verite. She's really great. Um, go listen to her. Um, and we also just signed uh, Lauv, uh, another up-and-coming AWOL artist, which we're really excited about, too. And then we have um, some established artists like Deant Word, Steel Panther, um, Good Charlotte, we just released uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And then um, we've got some legacy acts like uh, Lenny Kravitz, Billy Idol, and we just, um, we're putting out the new New Kids on the Block EP. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Exciting so, for me, but. <laughs> so a lot of these artists are artists that really they're getting out there and they're touring and you guys are a way for them to maximize their recorded music revenue, right? Because, yeah. because um, you don't have a radio promo team, you don't have PR. We, Correct. Yeah, we do work with an outside radio promo team. Mm -hmm. There is somebody that um, 
we do use. So if somebody says that we want to do radio promo, um, we do have a team um, that we work with. Right. But yeah, like for a, an artist that wants to hold on to their master. Right. Yeah. Like like a Billy Idol, for example, yeah. knows he's not going to get. He puts out his rec new record. Maybe right. an NPR station will play it or, or something mm -hmm. somewhere, but he's he's not going to get on the top uh, hit stations. Right. Or even the classic rock stations aren't going to play a new Billy Idol mm -hmm. song. So he's really putting that out as a, a commercial, maybe for the tour. Pretty much, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and yeah. but he can make more money signing with you because he owns his masters right. and he's making obviously a larger cut. He's yeah. making seven cents on the dollar instead of right twelve exactly. cents. Exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, a three-year contract normally? It's a three-year contract, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a, a term of, of, of time versus yeah. releases. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. And then after three years, if you're done, you're tired of us, or you're just like, yeah, this wasn't for me, um, you can move on. Just like that. Yeah. Okay. And some artists are signed just for you from a publishing standpoint, and they're still signed uh, elsewhere for their recorded Masters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, Paul McCartney is an example. Mm -hmm. He's with us for his uh, his solo publishing, but he's, I think, he just left Concord. I forget who he, he's with now. I think is it he's Columbia? back on Columbia. Is it Columbia? It rings a bell to me. Yeah. I think okay, that makes sense. I think that's what I was going for. Like, that makes sense that they're they're signed to, like, two different things. Mm -hmm. That was, like, kind yeah. of like my question, but not really. I kind of right. messed that up. No, but, it's like... but that makes sense. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Foo Fighters are on RCA, but I think you guys... Today we have the publishing. The publishing. Yeah, okay. exactly. So that's, okay. Yeah. And maybe one day when the uh, Foo Fighters, they would be in a perfect example oh of a band gosh, yeah. when... Their contract with RCA ends, up, and we, assuming RCA doesn't give them a deal they can't refuse, right. they would sign with you guys yeah. because uh, they're going to get to the point where they're not really getting a whole lot of airplay. Right. Uh, but they're going to sell out forever. Right. And um, their merch, you know, they can make a lot of money off, off yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be that would be great if we could get that. <laughs> but yeah, something like that. Yeah. They could, like a lot of the legacy artists, yeah, exactly for what you said. That's why they'll come over to us and give it a shot. And, you know, I think right now one of our main goals um, we've been trying to really start and break artists, and then that's why the whole AWOL platform is such a huge deal for us. That seems to be our next, our next mission is to, because mm -hmm. the legacy acts are great. Like we love having them, and uh, they do. They're they're great. They're a great name for us. And but we, we really 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 want to break that artist. So we're hoping to do that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. We return to capital. Yeah, yeah, I thought. Yeah, I was just thinking that like a year ago. He that was capital. capital. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't remember which one it was either. You mentioned the term transparency way mm -hmm. back in the beginning. Can you explain how that term works and why that's relevant in the music industry when it comes to business yeah. and royalties? Well, that was Willard's like mission when he first started. He just because a lot of the times, um, you know, uh, writers or artists would go into a you know, label or whatever, and they would. To give them these deals and it's like what? I don't know what I'm reading mm. <laughs> um, or they would you know the, the royalty statements that they would get were just so like they just didn't know what you were looking at or you they you know some of these labels would hide things mm -hmm. um, so the whole point of being transparent is we're not hiding anything from you our agreements are pretty straightforward um, our royalties are straightforward you know, there's nothing to hide. If you came and called me and asked me a question about it, I'm going to sit there and talk you through the whole thing. And I can go right on the portal and I can look for myself. Yeah, if and I then want. that's the, the other great real -time thing. Real-time analytics, yes. right? Yes, and then, yeah, on the portal, we have yeah, exactly what you said, real-time analytics. You can just go on there, see what you've been streaming. You can see your sync. You can see your um, your royalty statements. It's all right there. So that's the whole 
that's the whole thing about a cobalt was we want to be transparent we want to be honest with our artists and our writers and it makes sense because a number of people, if you go on your website, mm -hmm. are are talking about how they're making an incremental uh, increase. Is that redundant? Their 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 revenues are increasing yep. incrementally mm -hmm. by signing with Cobalt. A lot of it is because of your systems, but also because of the transparency that they can see. Yep. Now, do you know if you guys pay more frequently in terms of the uh, paying royalties more frequently than the major? publishers or labels which would be um, maybe quarterly if you're well I know uh, it depends on it depends on the agreement um, for AWOL clients it's usually monthly for your master um, master royalties um, the label services are the bigger deal that's quarterly just because there's more involved um, you know you usually have physical involved and everything like that so you kind of need the quarterly time for that and mechanicals are always going to be uh, quarterly Mm -hmm. um, publishing, I'm pretty sure they pay quarterly as well. Okay. Yeah. Do you give advances? Did we ask that question? Um, we don't really. We don't really call them advances. They're more marketing funds because really the artist is funding their deal. So, um, but we we could, um, if we think we have somebody's got some really good potential, we could give them a fund, um, which obviously recoup like anything mm -hmm. else. Here's a good sort of overall tweet for you. Okay. This is from. I can't read these names. Why are they so Just say that's from Bridget. This Texas. is from Bridget. Um, how did you feel the music publishing business is changing? How much has it changed since you began working in the industry? I'll have to think about that one. Um, when did you graduate? I graduated in 2009. So you've been in the biz about uh, eight years? Almost eight years. Okay. God, has it been changing? Um, I think... Not so much publishing is changing. I think the way we listen to music and the way music is being consumed is changing. So I think, if anything, publishers are trying to get and writers are trying to get on board because a lot of these companies aren't paying what they should. You know, It's just small pennies, as we talked about a little bit earlier. And I think they're trying to raise those rates and just get the best for, for writers. I think that's... If anything, I think that's how I'm seeing a change is just how we're consuming music and how we, we needed it to be fair for for writers and artists. And I know that's been a big lobby going on right now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just looking for more tweets. Do you have a, another good question? Because we have about two minutes No, left. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because the artist now is getting... Um, more opportunities to find out how much money they should be making mm -hmm. and actually to be many of these companies like your company is so transparent mm -hmm. that they're actually are seeing exactly how much money they're making when we know you know that uh, I always bring this case up in in class that the, we do royalty auditing and I have yet ever to see a mistake in a royalty audit in favor of the artist <laughs> that they gave the artist too much money yeah so by definition it wasn't a mistake because a mistake <laughs> you would have 50 50 if you looked at a thousand and I have never heard of an artist getting too much money right. so here now we getting more and more the artist is getting and the writer I mean the artist in general is getting more and more opportunity to really get a handle on how much money they by law should be making and uh, 
and getting it in a sense that it's it's fair and it's true yeah. and that that to me is um you know that's a, a wonderful change uh will we ever st i guess a better question for you and for what we've been talking about is will we ever have a one-stop shop for the artist or the songwriter then go to one place and get every all information on all the revenue streams yeah um you know and of course this business like any business is so turf conscious that i don't know if we could you know ever do that but certainly cobalt is yeah. one of the first steps to try we have, in doing that mm -hmm. we got another tweet yes this is from tim stetcher one of Cobalt's core values says to educate everyone. What does this entail? Are there any internships available in New York? Um, I think educate everyone, which again, I said, uh, talked about earlier. Like if you came to me with a question, um, at least for me, if you came to me with a question about your royalties, I'll sit there and go through it and explain everything. It doesn't even matter what it is. I'll just sit there and explain it. I don't know if you'll get that anywhere else, but I'll take the, you know, we'll take mm -hmm. the time to explain it to you. Um, if you don't understand how you, you know, I, I'm going to talk all royalty based because that's, that's what I know. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you had a question, how did I get, you know, where did all these streams come from? Or where, where, you know, how come I didn't receive enough streams? You know, what's going on? I thought I'm, you know, I have this many views on YouTube. Why am I getting such less payment? We'll sit there and explain to you why that's the case. Um, or, you know, or we'll look into it like, oh, yeah, maybe that is low. Let's look into that. It's just things like that. You know, we'll. Um, if something you don't understand or even something you don't understand about the business, we'll we'll teach it to you. We'll help you to understand it. You know, we don't want you to be blind to what's going on. So, I mean, I've had people reach out and they, they you know, writers or even artists are like, I don't understand um, mechanical. Like, what is that? What are what are what are the rates? What are the right rates? And I would sit there and I'll write them a whole email. What mechanical licensing is. These are your rates. This is what you should go with. And um yeah, we try to be transparent like that. Mm -hmm. A great customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we try to be. It's interesting. So we have about 60 seconds left. So we should you have a final question before we go. No, I don't. Okay. Just, <laughs> no, we have nothing about else. the future, <laughs> I, I think. So we've been listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7, William Patterson's own. WPSC. It's an FM station, but you can stream it. Go to brave.org. Check us out on the podcast, Music Biz 101 and more on SoundCloud and iTunes. We have been listening to an intense interview with the yes. wife of Kevin DeGeorge. DeGeorge is obviously not. What is your last name, Kevin? Spencer. Kevin DeGeorge Spencer. He took her last name and hyphenated it because he's a, he's a man of the new century. Good job, Kevin. So Kevin DeGeorge Spencer, thank you so much. And we want to thank Melissa George for uh, being here and being an alum yes. who came back. Thank you for having yes. me. I appreciate it. It was great to have you. Great. Melissa DeGeorge. We want to thank uh, Joelle D. Filippi for being here. Joelle D. Philp for uh, being here. And we hope that Joelle gets her brand new job. And uh, we're going to help you and make sure that you uh, get a better job than Melissa. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. There we go. Twelve-figure salaries right there. We yes. should thank we should thank Ashley Weltner. May we thank you now, Ashley? We are thanking Ashley Weltner for engineering and producing and doing everything that she does so well. Thank you, Ashley, very much. So, how many more shows do we have for this season? Next week, we have a fellow named Tony Phillips, who's in yes. charge of on-demand content for WNYC. Great. After that, it's the greatest hits, and then we have two more weeks, and then we are done. So we're ah. on the guests for those two weeks. So we will be on live three more weeks.
Yes, three more weeks of live. Okay, wow, this yes. semester went very quickly. Very quick semester. Great stuff. Great. Of this is course, a, this I was missing many, really good many weeks, but we did have. Sometimes uh, you have to go on assignment. Yes, sometimes on assignment, and uh, we were very uh, graciously. Um, I was substituted by. Aaron Van Dynamite. Dynamite yes. Right. And the eye speaking there was Dr. Esteban Marconi. Thank you, Dr. Esteban yes, Marconi. And of course, my co host, who I kid all the time, but certainly we couldn't have a show like this without him. And that is Professor David Kirk Phil. And of course, at the end of every. You may clap for me. <laughs> and of course, at the end of every show, we do not say hello because that would be silly. So at the end of every show, we say, and in, in, our, in, our, in our special Espanol tongue, Remember when you looked at me and cried, said something broke inside of you. My best friend, whatever come on. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more.